You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck. Podcast dedicated to Montreal it's football. I am Tim Capper. You can follow me on Twitter at Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And I'm Cliffy D. If you want, you can follow me on Twitter as well. You can follow me at Cliffy D. And this episode of the Alouette's Flight Deck is presented by our good friends over at SportBuff, where right now, if you use the promo code FLIGHTDECK-10, you will save 10% off your entire order. So head on over to sportbuffshop.com. Buy some merch, support local, and cheer on your favorite sport. And we're on uh, many places on the internet. You know, you can find us, but we're going to tell you anyways. Uh, you can find all of our archive, all seven years, over at alouettesflightdeck.ca. You can follow us on Twitter at uh, alouettesfldeck. Instagram, instagram.com slash alouettesflightdeck. Facebook, facebook.com slash pod. Merchandise, you can find all of our merchandise over at teespring.com slash stores slash Al's Flight Deck and on YouTube, youtube.com slash Alowitz Flight Deck. Well, it's not the end, you know, I guess we could, it's not the ending that we had hoped for. I guess one of the, I guess one of the few positives after talking with, uh, Talking with Alowitz Brass, uh, specifically Brian Waveman, is like, well, at least the team now has two weeks to <laughs> to promote this game rather than just one week. But still, it's what a way for this what a way for this game to end. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, yes, at least now we know what's going on. Like we knew the Alowitz were going to make the playoffs. We knew the Argos were going to make the playoffs. It was just a matter of who was going to end up number one, number two. Who's going to host the Eastern final and who's going to host the Eastern semifinal? Well. All those questions were answered. We definitely know now the entire CFL playoff picture for 2022. And it essentially means that all four games coming up this week, there's really no skin in the game. Like there's like we're, we're essentially getting four glorified preseason games when you think about it. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I'm just I, to be as an Owls fan, I'm just happy that I don't have to pay for it. So because <laughs> we have been saddled so many times with having where you know these type of weeks where the games mean nothing and again as you said they're just glorified preseason games that we're having to watch but uh yeah you know it all because of the 24 23 loss to the toronto argonauts in game one of the two game series a series uh alouettes do clinch second place overall and we will be hosting the uh eastern semifinal against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. But we'll talk about that a little bit later and obviously in uh, next week too because we're going to be previewing the game. Um, but but the game, it, it, you know, the game, itself, it, was, it was exciting, especially that fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, the game seemed to be, it's like nobody wanted to score to start off. But I think what's a little misleading because, you know, all the talk, Cliff, really was what happened at the end in that walk-off rouge, where in the CFL, you, you CFL, right? That's, that's what you do. Um, but it, it, 
It was the most CFL finish that one could hope for. Yes. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. The best CFL finish that a CFL could finish. Yeah. But the thing, it's, but it's what happened on the Alouette's first two drives in the first quarter, which really make that final score, I think, hurt even more. Or, mm-hmm. you know, type of what could have been if. And unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, that is sports, right? It is. It's, it's why they play the game, so to speak. It's, uh, yeah, it, it was definitely a bitter pill to swallow. And of course, hindsight is always twenty twenty. I mean, your first two drives, essentially, you're third and four, and you get nowhere. Or, or sorry, the third down drives that, uh, well, one ends in a uh, interception by Trevor from Trevor Harris. And the second one is uh, that goal line stance by the Argos, which met zero points on the board. I mean, at that point, you're wondering, why didn't you go for the field goal? Why didn't you take the points in such a critical game? Mm-hmm. And I get it. At least one of those two drives, yeah, the Alouettes should have gone for, for three. And it's funny, it's it's interesting that I say that now because last week I talked about how Hamilton and Ottawa at different points had opted for a field goal instead of trying for a touchdown to yeah. go ahead. I wonder if you're going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's live by the sword, die by the sword, right? I mean, like, it, it's easy to say now that, oh, yeah, you should have at least gone for, you know, the, you left like six points off the board on those two drives. Fair, fair. But I, I mean, you want this team to be aggressive too. You want to take the chances. And, and man, what is it about third and four with the Alouettes deep in the red zone that, Things just don't happen very well, or typically do not happen very well for this team. No, and and I think uh, for me, I was going to say on that third down, third and goal from from the one, you have you know, yes, it, it seems to be that the third down, just like just like in Ottawa last week, you know, the, the third down gambles are not doing anything. The, 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 a team that came in, you know, with a perfect. 21 for 21 two weeks ago, and just since then, uh, it's just I, I, maybe they they weren't as comfortable. Uh, well, they were comfortable. Obviously, they went for it, but they did something different. And it's funny, you know, nothing against Joshua Antwi, but in that situation, that's not what you do. A stand back, maybe. Uh, you know, it's – or as you said, or go for the three because even it's very – possible that three points could have won the owls the game or at least tied it if if uh had made the field goal but mm-hmm. still you know you think and, and it's funny i even said to you you know i don't you know it's early in the game surely you know it's best to get it done now and see what you know and then correct yourselves at for the rest of the game it came back to bite the owls in the ass not once but twice i mean yeah, but you know, and all goes to that first one, by the way, that for that interception, so early for Danny Mac to be calling, you know, for challenging, which I think put us in a hole two for another play later on in the game. But mm-hmm. it just seemed that the refs, I, I, I don't get it. To me, watching that easily, easily could have been called a, uh, in my opinion, should have been called a DPI. But what you know, what they saw upstairs is beyond me i don't know what you think about it but to me right there and then that was a turning point because not only do we lose a timeout we're done with challenges and that occurred you know midway through the first quarter yeah I, I, to, to burn a challenge you, you got to be 100 percent on that like that's going to be almost indisputable 
like talk about getting some bad intel because there's no way that Danny could have saw what had gone down there to the point where you can say unequivocally, yes, you have to challenge that. Sh-. I mean, God, it like I said, it, it was puzzling just to hear that he, he challenged it. And then, of course, the call stands, lose a timeout. And of course, worst of all, can't challenge anymore. And I said, this is going to kill. This, this is going to do them in. And sure enough, there's at least two or three instances that would have would have been awesome to have the challenge, or the, the ability to challenge. But no, mm-hmm. couldn't do it. And Alouette's fans are, are, you know, you see them like just foaming at the mouth. But one specifically with KJG. Oh, yeah. That, I, that. that, that mind boggling, mind boggling after watching the replay again. No, there was at, at least a few moments. And uh, even... Uh, I think there was also another goal line stance where, uh, I mean, a timeout would have really been crucial. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, could well, you know, couldn't call the timeout because didn't have it. Mm-hmm. So no, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, and look, 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 I mean, it's unfortunate circumstance, and yeah, the Elwes have no one, to, no one to blame but themselves for that. But it's yeah, it, it doesn't make it any less easier. Just sit and think about it. But I mean, the way this team played in the first half and the way they played the adjustments they made in the second half though made this a lot more of an exciting football game because that first half was just a comedy of errors quite frankly on both for both teams i should say for sure uh, and then the 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 brain fart with 30 seconds left (laughs) yeah yeah no that was i mean we've we've seen some real that, like first half of foot, what was it with first half of football? Just seems like a dog's breakfast. We've had quite a few this year. We really, I think uh, Ottawa, <laughs> Ottawa previously. Oh, I mean, yeah, like, but the second quarter, like they get it together. They they do make the adjustments, and even though at times, like I do feel a play calling can be a little conservative, but once they get the playmakers going and and this defense gets clicking, my God, like the, like this team gets people excited and gets them out of their seats, and they make plays happen. It's just. Why not do that all four quarters? Like, why do you have to wait till the end? Like, it's it's like pulling an all nighter before your big exam. Like, you you didn't study for like weeks beforehand, and all of a sudden you're gonna try and cram six months worth of knowledge into like a, a couple of hours. Like, it, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Oh, I remember the days. <laughs> well, I, I'm guilty of that too. But I mean, like, you know, for a professional football team to perform like that. And you wonder why we're not like tripping all over ourselves to declare the Alouettes like the hottest football team in the CFL. I mean, come on, come on. I know, I know. I mean, again, and things were, you know, great crowd. the The atmosphere was fantastic. Um, you know, SJ beautiful was beautiful weather. A, yeah, a beautiful weather. SJ was in the house. Yeah, I thought I was going to be. You and I both did not know how, really how because you underdressed for Ottawa. I was, you know point i was just on point i was unsure this game was tough to tell because 18 degrees in october yee, okay but you're not it's not 18 degrees in, in you know 18 degrees in july right right you know it's, it's like when they talk about it being a dry cold it's like it's, it's still cold mm-hmm. <laughs> like 18 degrees is still 18 degrees but at the same time in October, yeah, maybe. Uh, do I bring a light jacket? Do I bring a sweater? What do I do? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I. I you got I, lucky, dude. You got lucky there, and it's trying. You know, because we don't get the sun at the end of the day. Uh, usually in this in the stands when we normally do, but yeah, again, twenty four twenty three. Alouettes lose. Uh, first time I, I really went ham 
going to try doing some hist- historical research for this. First time the Alouettes have lost on a walk-off rouge in their history. They've lost I, on on rouges late in the game, but this is the first time they've they've lost on a walk-off in team history. Mm-hmm. And it, and I can and I can just imagine our American counterparts watching this game. Like you're telling me in the Canadian Football League, you can clinch a division, first place <laughs> in the division. By missing a field goal, well, we had that kind of we had that this week already, anyways, because the way that TSN covered that last play was mind-boggling. You know, people were asking Can you this, this, this. It was such a horrible camera angle on that play. You know, they didn't know what was happening up in the booth. You know, didn't see that Chandler where they stepped on the stepped on the end line, which is basically what ended the game. That's why everybody stopped. Yep. You know, and even though they, we had the penalty for too many men, which how first time all year on special teams we've had too many men. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I, again, you know, it's CFL football. It's kind of funny, it's kind of funny to be on the uh, yeah, kind of funny to be on the other end of that, right? Uh, I, like I'm sure Rough Riders fans must have had a field day with yeah, yeah. It's not so fun uh, having too many men on the field during an important field goal, is it? Like yeah. Yeah, I can see how that, uh, that that's not so fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think, back, think back to 2009 and the Grey Cup. Like, you know, you, you, again, you live by it, you die by it. It it happens. And even speaking with Chandler Worthy after the game, like, you know, I asked him, like, and not to put him down or anything, I'm like, what, can you explain what happened? Because, I mean, like that, like, you know, like you, you should know your end zone. I said, like, you're just trying to track the ball and you just kind of lost sight of what's behind you. Like, but. You know, and that's pretty much what it was, was yeah. you see trying to track the ball and trying to make a play happen. But yeah, unfortunately, your foot kind of stepped a little too far. And I'm curious I mean, to know had, what play was on. Was it a return play that was on or was it a free kick play that that had? Because he looked, he was he was about to run. Yeah. So it is again, you know, Alouettes again, the past couple of weeks, they've been able to come back from 11 point deficits, which they had this time around too. And, you know, Again, it's not the result we wanted. It also that SJ Green esque Eugene Lewis catch. Wow, uh, you know it, it, it was it was there. It, it, we were hyped. The crowd was going wild. The, the, the players are going bonkers. Uh, you know, and it was on third and four. <laughs> You're right. Go figure. Oh my god! Like I just said, just like I said earlier, third and four seems to be the Achilles' heel for this team. But on that play, I mean that that's where that's where you summon everything inside of you and love him or hate him. Like Trevor Harris, he did what he had to do. He marched this team down the field like he has done before to win these games practically out of nowhere. And for him to find Gino in the end zone like that, making as you said, just an outstanding catch, stretching out his entire body just to pull that sucker in. Holy crap. I mean, mm-hmm. that was insane. It Absolutely was. insane. Like, like, even watching it on, on TV afterwards, you, your jaw still hits the floor. You're like, that really happened. I like, want to know if a t- for Canadian photographer got a shot of that. I would love to have a, have a copy of that picture. You know, I mean, seven, yeah, not, seven, not seven as, third downs. Seven third down attempts, Cliff. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean with this team, like, the, they, they do not, there's no quit in them. You can say that. They, they definitely have heart. Sometimes I wonder like, about the execution of things early enough in the game, but it, it's like an old car starting. You know what I mean? Like like an old muscle car. Like sometimes, you know, got 
you, know, you got to turn the engine a couple times, so you got to try, you know, get her going. But once you do, and once it kicks in, and all the cylinders are firing, it, I mean, it's just so much fun to watch. Like this team can be so much fun to watch at times, as maddening as they can be to watch. They can be so much fun to watch. It, it's, I mean, God. I agree. To, to to be a, a fan or a supporter, whatever whatever you want to call it, of this team at times, it's like it's like a roller coaster ride. You know, like terrifying highs, dizzying lows. Uh, I mean, just my God, it's <laughs> yeah, it's a trip, folks. Let me tell you. Oh, for sure. Just over nineteen thousand showed up. I think it was like nineteen thousand one hundred. I have to go back and check check the numbers again. But it was just over nineteen thousand on a beautiful summer day, as a uh, summer ish day in the fall. That made no sense. Um, yeah. It's just be- beautiful fall weather. There you and, go. Uh, there you go. Uh, Trevor Harris, 25 of 33, 75% completion percentage, 413 yards, uh, two touchdowns, and something he hasn't done in quite a few games. He threw an interception. That was the one in the, in the first quarter. Um, Dominic Davis also had, he, he tried, had one attempt. Uh, leading rusher. William Stanback. It's been a, quite a while, dude, that we could actually say that. Ten rushes, 65 yards. He's, he's getting his groove back, and if he can get hot over the next couple of weeks, we'll see what he, how many reps he gets this, uh, this week versus Toronto and then versus Hamilton because we remember how poorly he played, how Hamilton was able to stuff the running game last time. It, it, but you know what? It's, it's him and the, and the Fletcher. You know, Fletcher only had 24 yards on three carries, but still, this one-two punch is going to be fun, 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 as I've been saying for the last couple of weeks. Leading yeah, receipt. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, the, the great thing about that one-two punch with uh, Stanback and Fletcher is you also know that Fletcher can be a dual threat, like mm-hmm. not just on the ground running, but also, too, he's got a great set of hands, and we saw that, too, against Toronto last Saturday. That's right. Leading receiver, Jake Winicky. Mm-hmm. Five receptions, 121 yards. Walter Fletcher almost had his first 100-yard game. He was second on the team uh, with 99 yards. Um, then it was uh, Gino Lewis, six receptions for 72 yards. William Stanbeck, three for 41. KJG, three for 30. Hergie Maella, one for 29. We saw that one. That was a butte. That was... that. Again, this was during that uh, key drive that led to the amazing Geno touchdown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tyson. I mean, Herjie Maiola is just uh, like Johnny on the spot. Like just somehow and, – and I think at, at that point too, like the, the coverage really broke down around Trevor. And he, he was basically throwing up a prayer. And sure enough, there was Herjie right there just to move the chains. Exactly. Uh, Tyson Philpott only had one reception for nine yards. Uh, Regis Sibisu had one for six. Uh, he was the target, by the way, on that interception in the first quarter. Uh, Jeshua Nantui had one for six. Did I miss anybody else? Nope, that's it. Uh, Just uh, also don't forget uh, Jake and Gino were also the ones that scored tutties. That's correct. Yes, yes, they each had touchdowns, and we got so TD Jake is back. Yes, that's that that that, that's a story all by itself. The finally Jake Winecki finds the end zone. Like we've been waiting for this all year. We've been waiting for Jake Winecki to show that form, and finally, like it took to the second the last game of the regular season for him to do it but he looked like the Jake Winecki of old and if if he's got that back if he's got that groove back TD Jake is back it couldn't have come at a better time for the Alouettes yep and once again Chandler Worthy uh, over 200 yards of total returns punt kickoff and missed field goal um, again 
uh, been one heck of a player since he's he's taken over and and you know the Alouettes traded uh, Mari Alfred to uh, Saskatchewan, who by the way he's had a great season himself. By the way, if anybody happened to see the game this week, it may have been an inconsequential his return, but man, what a what a what a what a kick return for a touchdown he had. <laughs> he he's got it, man. I mean, like that's the thing. Like the reason why the Alouettes traded Mario Alfred was because Chandler Worthy was that guy and he had become that guy for the Alouettes. So talk about embarrassment of riches. Like you had Mario Alfred, you've got Chandler Worthy, you got Tyson Philpott, who was doing a very admirable job in his rookie season as doing some returns. Uh, Darius Pickett you know, had a couple of returns earlier this year. I mean, like talk about like get, getting opportunities for these guys mm-hmm. and them, them making the most of it as much as they can. It, it's tremendous. Like, I mean, this is something that had been lacking for so many years in Montreal is a decent returner. And lo and behold, we had not one, not two, but three solid returners with a fourth kind of waiting in the wings. Like, you know, he'll, he'll take some, he'll take some kicks back too. And my goodness, it was just so much fun to watch, especially like the special teams this year has improved by leaps and bounds. I mean, like it really has been so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, all, all the way up until that last, you know, the last play of the game, which unfortunately I think, uh, yeah, special teams, uh, they kind of got to own that one, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but again, uh, Al's gave up five sacks. They only had one. This, this seems to be an issue as of late. Uh, they're just not getting any pressure on these quarterbacks. Um, but still they, they, you know, the defense did well in the second half. Uh, had a few a few injuries that we need to look into, especially if you're looking at the who's practicing this week and who's not. Uh, can be a little can be a little concerning. I know Raheem Wilson went down with a with a, a knee injury. We know it seems to be pretty bad uh, from what we're heard, or and, what, what we're hearing from uh, from uh, Herb Zakowski and then uh, Nafis Lyon. Also, he has a he's he's having shoulder issues. Well, what's really unfortunate with Raheem's injury was he, he made an outstanding tackle for loss. Yeah. Yeah. And then just got he kind of I don't know if he rolled up on himself or what had happened like what caused it like yeah couldn't tell I agree awkward angle that he hit the ground I I don't know but I mean, yeah he came up and he was limping and it was not good and and it's funny because like the way the Alouettes defense can tackle at times or not really tackle is kind of maddening but this was like a picture perfect tackle like, this is the kind of tackle that I would expect with someone that has the speed of Raheem Wilson to be able to make a tackle like that for a loss no less like that was sensational like we we i'd love to see that over and over again problem is gets injured on the play mm-hmm. so but that that is football unfortunately yeah yeah again yeah unfortunately that that is football but um again uh owls we, we now know where we're going to be when it comes to the playoffs uh so if you haven't bought tickets already we can always promote this thing uh is that on november 6th sunday november 6th at 1 p.m at Percival Molson Stadium, the Alouettes will host the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the Eastern semifinal for a trip. Uh, winner will advance to Toronto to play the Argos in the e- in the Eastern final. So, but mm-hmm. don't look ahead. We've got a few news uh, new news and notes we want to talk about from this game this week. Uh, also, uh, some some uh, some announcements that the league has made, um, and then we'll talk about the the upcoming game. But um, yeah. Uh, Throughout the entire season, though, we have been saying to you, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions on who you want us to have if we've reached your episodes, uh, you can email us. You can email me at tim.capper at alouettesflightdeck.ca, and you can email Cliff at clifford.pine at alouettesflightdeck.ca. 
Um, you know, all things were so positive. And one of the things that we, that we, I mentioned last week, is just having the flyover. I, you know, sure it's only once a year unless you go to Grey Cup and you get to experience it again. But man, dude, what a, again, just like I said last week, that thing get that jet, that thing just rumbles through your body and gets you hyped. <laughs> Big time. I mean, just the noise. It's the pure noise of the, the, the afterburners just flying through and woof. Yeah. Like, at that point, you're you're ready to run through a brick wall. Mm-hmm. It, it's, yeah, and then they do it not once, but then they circle around and do it again. Yes, sir. And, and it's just perfect. And if they can time it for the kickoff, it's just tremendous. Like I mean, at that point, like everybody's at a fever pitch, and just yeah, it's like let's go, let's go, and yeah, yeah, flyovers definitely a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, this week too, uh, as everybody knows, uh, S.J. Green. Uh, signed a one-day contract to retire as Montreal Alouette. The Alouettes surprised everybody, uh, and I'm giving huge props to the uh, to the Alouettes organization for doing this. They set up a, a booth, a tent, where you could go and you can meet up with SJ, take pictures, get an autographed picture with him. Um, again, nothing but props to the Alouettes organization for setting this thing up, even on such a sh- what seemed to be short notice. Um, it, it was great meeting... Uh, SJ, wishing, wishing him well, getting him a picture. And, you know, what's funny, I was just wearing my, uh, you know, my uh, my third jersey with his name on him. Uh, you know, the old uh, 425 jerseys, mm-hmm. uh, the signature jerseys. And it, I had his name on it, and I didn't even think about it. I wore it just to, out of respect for him because of what he did, knowing, knowing he was in town. He signed it. I'm not a guy to get my stuff signed. You know this, Cliff. But dude, that was so much fun getting a picture with him and just having him sign the jersey. It's and obviously, as we mentioned last week, it's in the works. We'll get him on the pod. We want to talk about his about his uh, about his career. But so it was so so much fun seeing him. Absolutely, I mean, SJ is always has been and always will be a class act, one hundred percent. I mean, just the love that fans have for him and the love he has back for them is like nothing else. I mean, he just. You know, he was there and it was so great to be able to say hello to him again and you know reminisce just a little bit and you know i even got to talk to him a little bit about uh, his son who's also a wide receiver and is also sj green the third like t- like no pressure kid but uh you know that's a pretty pretty big name to live up to but wow. uh, i'm surprised sj didn't actually put a put a junior on his on his jersey you know that's the big thing these days where players are putting junior and senior on the back of their jersey i never even knew that I yeah never, and I, and here's what really, really makes me laugh. SJ stands for Solomon Jr. So he's Solomon Jr. Green Jr. <laughs> That's great. Because <laughs> I remember him saying, like, you know, my son SJ. I'm like, wait, so is he Solomon Jr. Jr.? It's like, no, I'm Solomon Jr. Jr. He's Solomon Jr. the third. Like, oh, boy, I need to sit down. <laughs> so, that way, so that means his dad is Solomon Jr. Green Senior. Green Sr. That's right. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's great. Yeah, so uh, it was so awesome to see SJ again. And obviously, like you said, wish him all the best in retirement. So happy he came back to Montreal, got that, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, got a chance to get his, his due, get his flowers from everybody at the or- in the organization, have the fans cheer his name one more time and you know, reminisce about all the good times. Like they were playing highlights throughout the game of some of the most outstanding catches he made, including the Canada Day 2010 catch in Saskatchewan in double overtime. Like, whew, to this day, 
it's it's still incredible that he made that catch like that. Not only that, one fan even got that particular that image of him stretching out to make the catch. Mm-hmm. Got it tatted on his arm. I think I we know. talked about that last week. But mm-hmm. he, the Alouettes actually posted a photo of the uh, of SJ meeting this guy and show, seeing the tattoo. It's like incredible. Like I'm sure SJ had to have been like just mind blown. That like wow, you actually got me mm-hmm. tatted on you. Like that that's incredible. Yeah, so. and, and again with uh, also with. Uh, uh, with Gino making an SJ Green-esque catch was perfect too. But I mean, it's you know my only my one gripe though, really, because I don't know if people knew who SJ was. I wish the team had given a little bit more information on what they had set up. I understand it was a last minute thing, mm-hmm. but I, I I think he deserved. You know, when the 20th anniversary team, Greg winning team was here, the lineup was a lot longer, and I understand there was a lot more people there too. But this, this still, this is SJ. You know, this, this is a Montreal legend when it comes to to Alouette's football. And I just wish, maybe we got there at the right time. I, I just wish, you know, may, maybe it had been longer earlier in the day because you, you know, we went to the, we went to the tailgate first. But, uh, but still, I, I wish the Alouettes would have promoted it a little bit. But still, props to them for setting this up. Well, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Like I think they, they knew that SJ was coming up to do the retirement thing, and you know. Again, you could no one would have blamed them if they said, you know, okay, we'll have him come out at halftime and wave to the crowd and blah blah blah." And you know, fans would have been happy with just to see him again, like actually literally see him on the field again. So for them to kind of throw this together almost last minute, like even if you didn't get a whole lot of promotion for it, like I'm sure once fans found out, like, "Oh my gosh, there's S.J. Green," and you know, have a chance to go and meet him and take a picture with him, get an autograph, what have you. I mean, like that in and alone is good. So could it have been promoted a little bit better? Maybe, but I think. It, if this was truly thrown together last minute, like I'll, I'll as I said, I'll, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt for that one, and just the fact that they were still willing to do that and give them a chance for fans to, uh, you know, wish him well and and get a chance to see him one more time in in the flesh. I mean, to me, that's that's outstanding right there, and you can tell SJ was just so happy, like mm-hmm. he he could feel the love from everybody, and it was amazing, like people coming up to him, and you know, lots of people were were wearing his jersey and just you know. I could hear them, you know, talking about how amazing it was, like, you know, helping the Elwoods win two Grey Cups back to back. I mean, like, he was mm-hmm. integral part of that. And, and and yes, folks, I did speak with SJ, and he will be on the podcast. Yeah, I can't say I can't say when, but he he said like, yeah, I I want to be on. I want to talk with you guys. I want to share my stories and all that. I said, dude, anytime you want. So, you know, we're we're gonna make it happen. It's not a matter of if, ladies and gentlemen, but when. SJ Green joins the Alouettes flight deck. Yeah, hashtag stay tuned. Um, s- s- speaking of story and stuff like that, uh, it came out later than we had hoped uh, before we taped last week, but uh, that mini doc, the, the mini doc for Gina Lewis was released by the, by the league. And um, I'm going to ask you how you felt about it first before I give my thoughts. Cause I'm, I'm you know, going to go, go ahead and, and, and ask you about it. But uh, uh w- because I know we wanted to try to maybe do something, uh, you know, a head-to-head type of thing. But we weren't able to set it up the way we wanted to. But uh, what, what were your thoughts on, on the mini document, uh, mini uh, documentary for uh, for Gino? It was great. Uh, it was definitely a mini documentary because I think it was about 15 minutes long, maybe 16 minutes. But kind of left you wanting more, to tell you the truth. Like, like okay, you, you did a great job. You managed to tell his story for the most part. But would have liked to have seen something a little bit more in depth. Like it was really cool to see him, you know, go back home and, you know, to speak with some of his former coaches, uh, speaking with his dad, his other family members. 
I would have liked to have seen more to tell you the truth. Like it was, it was kind of funny though to see Vernon Adams as a part of it. Like, I mean, cause as far as I'm concerned, it was VA and Gino that really put the Alouettes on the map, especially in 2019, as far as uh, making football relevant in Montreal again, like those two, I think were the linchpin of that, that 2019 team that just got everybody excited about Alouettes football again. And now Gino's kind of, you know, he, he's now become the man. Like he is essentially the, the SJ Green of the Alouettes in 2022. Like he is that superstar. And now everybody knows who Gino Lewis is, which is fantastic. And to me, it was, it was a great documentary. I think they did a really, really well, well done production of it. But I would have liked more. You know what I mean? Like I, just yeah. maybe a half hour documentary at least. I mean, there's probably more stories that could have been told. It just felt like it was, I won't say rushed or bridge necessarily, but like, it just felt like, okay, like this is cool to see this, but now when do we get the rest of it? Like, I felt like there was a lot more of the story to be told and we just got like a teaser of it. Like just kind of like, okay, well there's more coming, but there's not more coming or maybe there should be more coming, but we'll see. Right. So. And, and I think what, what, if you read the story too, is that you know, I'm kind of, it's funny how things happen is that because of COVID, this was actually pushed back or pushed up rather. You know, this was this this was actually was, was an idea uh, for somebody that was working with the league at the time, where you know this was before COVID and stuff like that. So this this was scheduled to come out around 2020, but luckily, it's weird to say that. Because, well, because of, you know because of the, of the situation that happened and the pandemic, it got pushed. So mm-hmm. we got to see a little bit more. I, I think it I think it was done well. Uh, you know, I'm sure everybody looks at the. Um, you know, the, the whole series of God, how, how long has it been since they did those, those series of documentaries for the CFL? It's been a while, oh, eh? You, you're talking about the traditions series? No, 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 no. The, um, engraved on a nation. Series. Engraved on a nation. Yeah. Oh, geez. You're, you're going like, that was 2012 actually. Yeah. So, so, 10, so, years. so 10 years. Yeah. So it, it's not those, we know we had the one for, for AC, which was, which was a, you know, a, a full hour and all of them were an hour. Um, mm-hmm. He is, he is still more story to tell, you know. And for me, it was it was such a I, I loved it because obviously I have. It's weird to say how my Kevin Bacon six degrees of separation is tied to Gino, and I'm sure I've told this story before. So please, you know, everybody, humor me. Um, you know, my my basic when when I met Gino for the very first time, it was you know once I found out who he was, is like I, I saw your dad. Play, play, play university basketball. And we're not talking on TV here, folks. I mean, literally, I saw his dad, Junie Lewis. That, that's what I remember from my, from my, you know, from being a teenager, seeing his dad play. And, and it's so, you know, it's, it's such a small world. And being able to see his dad, you know, the, the post-game, the, the post-credits uh, scene where, with him playing uh, uh, one versus one versus his dad. It just brought me back. I thought it was. It, it, I think it tied in so well, and it's. It's. I think it's that type of story that you know. As I said, it made you think. It made you reminisce. And as as we wrote on social, Cliff, do you actually remember Gino wearing number seventy three as a rookie? I didn't. Gosh, yeah, like that was kind of jarring. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's like saying Ben Cahoon. He wore thirty two. Two. Yeah, it's not what we remember at all. But seeing Gino in his first year at training camp wearing a seventy-three, man, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like that's going way back. I mean, it's, it's funny to think about. Like, 
preseason. And I vaguely remember that play. And, you know, it, it, it's so funny, like, especially back then, you're like, OK, like this is just another guy trying to make the team. And OK, you know, made a catch and, you know, that's fine. And OK, I mean, that's something. But how often do we see that? Like, we'll see like someone, you know, really shine in a preseason game and then. If they're lucky, they make the practice roster. Oh, let me count the ways, dude. (laughs) You and I can both do this. Just let me count on my fingers how many times we've seen that occur. Yeah, yeah. But for Gino to go past that moment, and you know, he he bought his time on the practice roster like most superstars do, and was just it was just a matter of be ready when your number is called. And sure enough, Gino got finally got into a game, was finally able to show what he can do. There was, you know, he would go through those kind of. awkward phases where there's just like nothing doing like he just couldn't connect with the quarterback or anything like that and he even said like at one point like he thought he was going to get cut because he just wasn't connecting with uh with vernon of all of all people mm-hmm. and and then there's that that one particular play that just that just magically worked got the touchdown and then from that point on it's like okay this is who eugene lewis is let's uh Let's try and get him more into the offense because I think we got something here. And mm-hmm. sure enough, through his hard work, his dedication, and just his his belief in himself more than anything else, just as you know, he his belief in his talents and his you know just his dedication to the craft, so to speak, wasn't going to let him just up and quit. Like he he was going to keep working, and once he got that opportunity, he was going to do everything he can to make the most of it. Yeah, and look look at the results. As I said, he is now a household name. Like he is one of the premier receivers in the Canadian football league. Like you put him up, as I said, like we've even talked about it in the past with him is like, you look at like the, the Brian Burnham's, the Kenny Lawler's, uh, Dominique Rimes, uh, you know, like he's up there with those guys. Like he is in that conversation. Like he is for my money, one of the premier CFL players in this league without question. Yep. And obviously this off season will be very interesting considering he is a free agent and with the, you know, with, with the addition of guaranteed contracts that we've that we've seen, and the um, the money that's going out so far in the early in the early s- signings that we've seen, it's going to be a very interesting off season. Well, as far as I'm concerned, like that's now got to be priority one for Denny Machocha as general manager of this team. Is you got to keep Gino and Alouette. You, it's going to cost you a few bucks, clearly, because <laughs> I can think of eight other teams that could definitely use a Eugene Lewis. I could think of a an XFL that's starting up in February that could use a Eugene Lewis. Yeah. So, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, this is your guy. This is the guy you you build around now that uh, Vernon Adams is not with the team anymore. I mean, this this is your superstar. You got to treat him like a superstar. You got to pay him like a superstar. I, I think the Elvis have been very fortunate to be able to get him at relatively good pricing. Now it's time to pay. I mean, especially especially if the Alouettes win a Grey Cup this year. He's pretty much going to have to. He's going to write his own ticket. And if you're Danny Machocci, you're just like, okay, Gino, here's a blank check. Fill it in. What do you want? Because we we cannot afford to lose you. This guy has to retire in Alouette. Full yeah. stop. Yeah, and that makes me wonder too if uh, you know with the addition of the designated Canadian rule coming in 2023, if if a pl- if players who think that they are have the have a shot of being named the, the designated Canadian for the season. Well, they also throw that in as a an incentive for their contract. So you never mm. know. Never know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, again, anybody out there who, who but General Lewis should be our designated Canadian. Still want to see some of the rules behind it. By the way, I, and I'm I'm honestly asking this: if anybody happens to have seen 
the the current CBA, the the finished final CBA. Uh, contact me via email or, or on social because I, I wanna I wanna get caught up on some of this stuff before uh, before it actually occurs. So, um, mm-hmm. real real quick, by the way, um, before we talk about the announcement of the the players who are going to be uh, who have been chosen as our players of the year leading into the CFL the you know, the CFL awards season, uh, we're on TV again. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> right at the three minute warning of the second half uh, of the first half right after speaking of right after that non dpi call that's what that's when we were on yep so check out our socials it's there so it's uh right place right time i guess eh? i mean it's twice already <laughs> this season yeah like i mean we we don't go out of our way to you know we're not one of those like media horrors that like to you know make themselves all about themselves like we just we're just there. If the camera pans on us, I mean, there's not much we can do about that. But, it's, yeah, it's kind of funny and kind of cool, especially when you got other people pointing us out on uh, the – hey, there's the Alouette, the Alouette Fleet Deck boys. I'm like, oh, geez, here we are. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also uh, something that has never happened to me, but I know you have done – you have before. Such a joy to meet Pinball Clemens for the very first time. I was able to meet him on, on the field after the game, and – I didn't know what to the, the dude. He's a legend. Pinball Clemens is a legend, and as as many as much as I gave him the the accolades and the props that he deserved, he turned it right back on us as fans and as supporters of the CFL. You couldn't ask for anything more for somebody who wants to look up to a former player, executive, and somebody who's representing the league. No better person to look up to. Than uh, pinball Clemens. Yeah, no, it, it's like I I've, was very fortunate to meet uh, Pinball at uh, the 2016 Grey Cup in Toronto, and yeah, just such a warm, generous, kind man. Just so so engaging. Like I think that's the big thing is he's such an engaging fellow. Like mm-hmm. he just loves to talk football, yeah. loves to talk life, loves everything. And he just wouldn't let go positive. of my hand, dude. I was like, I understand. I knew, <laughs> I knew what he was doing, and he was saying, I'm not going to let go of your hand. And, 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 like, I knew what he was doing. It's like I, not like I was trying to pull away, but it was, again, you're right. Engaging is the best word. That's the best word for pinball. Yeah. And I was like, hey, yeah. you can hold on to my hand all you want, dude, and, as we're shaking hands. That's fine. It was, again, I, I hope to meet him again. Uh, it, it would be an honor. Yeah, just just a class individual all, all together. And yeah, it's just great to see him again. Uh, like I said, just, yeah, I, look at me. I'm, I'm at a loss for words still. I mean, like <laughs> I've already met the guy. So this is my second time meeting him and he, I'm still blown away. Just at what an absolutely wonderful individual he is. Uh, the Argonauts are so lucky that he has been the face of that franchise for 30 years. Really? When you think about it, like not just as a player, but also as a head coach, general manager, right, president, right. Yeah. Uh, lead governor, like you, I think he's done everything but sell popcorn and, uh, and and soft drinks at the stadium. And I'm pretty sure if you asked him to, he would do it with a smile, the big ass smile on his face. I mean, like I say, he's just such a wonderful ambassador for the league. I, I mean, anyone who's ever met Pinball knows exactly what we're talking about. Like just that the kindness, the generosity with the time, and everything like that. And it's just fantastic. And you're talking league wide too. Like mm-hmm. I, I've not met. I, I, 
I don't think I've ever once heard a negative story about pinball It's just such, such a wonderful, wonderful individual. And yeah, it was such an honor and a treat to speak with him again. And, you know, just spend a few minutes, like for him to spend a few minutes of his time, like, cause you know, he probably wants to get going back to Toronto with the, the team and everything like that, but no, he, he sat and took time with us and it was incredible. And I'm, I'm so thankful that he did. And yeah, just folks, if you ever have the chance to meet Mike pinball Clemens, by all means, do so. You will not regret it for an instant. No, you won't. Uh, as we mentioned, the uh, there was an announcement by the uh, by the, the team today and the league on on these players who are considered the finalists for each of the uh, postseason awards. Cliff and uh, I know you had the list in front of you, and we uh, uh, you were pretty spot on on one of them, though. Well, when I looked at the list when I was released by the league, um, like when I looked at the nominees for, and I'll go through each each and every one of them, but I'm like, yeah, I. I cannot find any fault with this. So let's go through and we'll share our thoughts. But I mean, like, I, I think we're pretty much in unison with what was chosen. Yeah, and we were hoping for, mentioned- yeah, we were hoping for one of those uh, tete-a-tete moments. But yeah, we were talking about this pre, pre-show pre and yeah, we're not getting at this week. <laughs> no, like I said, like, well, here we go. Without further ado, yeah. uh, <clears throat> the Alouettes nominee for most outstanding player, obviously Eugene Lewis. I mean, and, this is completely undisputable. Also, too, they did note on the uh, press release uh, if these were unanimous choices. And sure enough, Gino definitely was unanimous. I mean, look, we just finished talking about, you know, we spent a good part of 15 minutes just talking about how wonderful G- e- Eugene Lewis is on the field and even off the field, too. He's just mm-hmm. uh, absolutely fantastic. But I mean, like, this is on the field stuff that we're talking about here. And yeah. I mean, outstanding would definitely describe Eugene Lewis in 2022. I mean, no matter who the quarterback was, no matter what the situation was, he would get open. He would find ways to make plays happen. Like the the guy moves the needle big time for the Alouettes. I mean, with without question, he is. He, when you talk about the most outstanding player, as far as an Alouettes goes, that is Eugene Lewis. He is the most outstanding player on this football team. Mm-hmm. Yep. Without without See, can can can. Can't dispute it, right? Nope, nope, can't. Nope, I'm at a loss of words because no, you're, you're correct. I can't. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, next, uh, most outstanding defensive player, Adarius Pickett. Once again, this was a unanimous choice for, by the uh, by the voters. And without question, I mean, Adarius Pickett has really turned a corner in 2022. I mean, he's he was part of the secondary last year. And I, he, I mean, I'm going to be honest. He looked a little lost as part of that secondary. Moved to strong side linebacker, and what a force of nature he has become. Just absolutely punishing. I, I will say, a couple of high hits here and there, and yeah, it's cost him a few bucks in the process. Uh, kind of made his opinion known about the referees after that. Cost him a little bit of cash, too. But the way this guy plays, like he plays balls to the wall. Like he, he leaves it all out on the field, and you want that. Like, like this defense, there's so many key elements to it. There's a lot of times where this defense, I feel, doesn't live up to its entire potential. But when it comes to the linebacking core, I mean, Darius Pickett is that guy. I mean, he really, truly has been so dangerous. Uh, opposing quarterbacks, they see him coming and they're like, oh, hell no. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. try to get the hell away from the guy. And sometimes you're lucky and you get away from him. But, I mean, if he wraps you up and throws you to the ground, that's it. Stopped right there. I mean, just ask him Claude Bethel Thompson. Like, he got leveled by Darius Pickett uh, last Saturday. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as defensive players go, I mean, <clears throat> there's some pretty good players on this team. No question about that. But I think Darius Pickett definitely is head and shoulders above everybody. And 
very much a deserving nominee as most outstanding defensive player for the Alouettes. Can you think of what it would have been like if both if the team had had both, so not, both Darius and Greg Reed this year? Well, Greg would have had to be playing this year too. But you, no, no, <laughs> but you nominated. know what I mean. Uh, how much? How much more? You know, to have have both of those guys on the field at the same time. That that's what I mean. But yeah, you can't take anything uh, away from Adarius in any way, shape, or form because hey, uh, he was unanimous. The dude's, I, I you know, everything you've said is true. You know, sure, I'm sure he had those fines, but but still, he's played one hell of a, he's had one hell of a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, next on the list is most outstanding Canadian, and that would go to our safety Marc Antoine Decois. Kind of hard to dispute this one too. Uh, I mean, he's been a playmaker this year for the most part. Uh, there's been times where we've been kind of critical of him, not going to lie. Uh, such outstanding speed and at times just made him a lot faster at missing tackles. But when the plays that he did make, absolutely outstanding. He's got four picks this year, including one, again, this past Saturday. Mm-hmm. I mean, mind you, McLeod Bethel-Thompson shouldn't have thrown that ball so deep like that. But, uh, I mean, hey, like a like a center fielder, uh, Mark Antoine was able to track the ball down <laughs> And snag it. I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, like the way this guy, and let's not forget too, he's, he's dealt with some adversity this year. He's, he's had a pretty rough, uh, this year, unfortunately with the, the, uh, untimely passing of his mother. And you can tell he's playing for her. Like he, you can tell he, he wants to dedicate this season to her and her memory. It's really made plays happen for the Alouettes this year defensively. And the fact that the, he's from Il Bizarre, Quebec, I mean, Quebec-born superstar. I mean, what more could you ask for if you're a member of the Montreal Alouettes to be on the home, to be on your hometown team, and be able to shine like he has? So, to me, it wasn't a unanimous choice, but uh, I mean, like he definitely has stood up and stood out this year. So, as far as outstanding Canadians go, yeah, I have absolutely no problem with uh, MAD being uh, being the nod for the Alouettes. And then next, we've got uh, most outstanding offensive lineman, Landon Rice. Uh, who could have also made an argument for most outstanding Canadian too, because yes, he is Canadian. But uh, as far as this offensive line goes this year, I mean, you're talking about guys that have, for the most part, played extremely well this year. Uh, they've, I feel like this line has really gelled together and really come up big at, at crucial moments. Uh, Landon is one of the few players I think has played every game this year. Uh, and I know it hasn't been easy, especially at the, uh, the guard position, uh, I see him definitely as a, a mentor for Pierre Olivier Lestage, because uh, uh, to me, like it's a very important position as far as uh, the defensive line goes. I mean, everybody on that line has a role to play, and Landon to do what he does, and I think he swings out to tackle too sometimes if needed. And for him to help keep Trevor Harris and, or at the time, Vernon Adams upright, mobile, that's crucial. And the job that Landon's done this year, even if you don't really notice him necessarily. He's there, and I think it's one of those things where he, if you if he wasn't there, you would notice him even more. So, mm-hmm. for him to do his job the way he has, I, I'm I'm definitely not mad at this pick at all. Uh, next on the list, most outstanding special teamer. Who who else could it be than Chandler Worthy? You could probably make the argument for David Cote because David Cote has done an outstanding job too, as far as uh, field goals go. I think he's uh, 40 for 47, which is nothing to sneeze at when you think about. It. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive for a, for a kicker. Uh, but Chandler Worthy, I mean, ever since he's been a member of the Alouettes, he has just lit the fire, the field on fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just been just outstanding. Like, yes, house call after house call after house call this year. Something we haven't seen a whole lot of, uh, in re- uh, at least until Mario Alford came along. 
But uh, Chandler was cast aside by the Argos. The Alouettes brought him in uh, just before the end of training camp and looked fantastic. Like When Alfred went down to injury, Chandler stepped up, made plays happen, and pretty much said, this is my job now. And to the point where the Alouettes felt comfortable trading Alfred to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So... If you're going to trade someone, if you're going to trade a talent like Mario Alford, you better have somebody outstanding to replace him. And sure enough, Chandler Worthy is, without question, an outstanding football player. And I am so excited to see what he does for the Alouettes come playoff time. I remember in 2019, Mario Alford in the Eastern semifinal. He had a great return touchdown. Yeah. I would not be mad at all to see Chandler Worthy get everybody up and out of their seats at Percival Wilson Stadium and score a kick return or punt return touchdown in hopes of beating the Tiger Cats and going on to the Eastern Final. So as far as I'm concerned, yeah, Chandler Worthy is that guy and definitely deserves the nod. By the slimmest of margins, I will say over David Cote, but he definitely deserves to be recognized as most outstanding special teams player. And last, but certainly not least, most outstanding rookie. This was unanimous. We talked about it last week when he was a member, or he was a, he was a guest here on the Alouette's Flight Deck. Tyson Philpot, my goodness, what what a first season! Like, how, talk about making an impression early on in your career. Tyson Philpot has done exactly that. Absolutely outstanding. Uh, now that he's uh, starting slot back for the Alouettes, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, as a result of the injury to Reggie White Jr., he's now been put into that role and has he's answered the call every single time. Like he he makes plays happen. Like he is quicker than a hiccup. Has educated hands. The guy just. At 22 years old, he's already looking so polished and so professional. And the scary thing is, the best is yet to come. We have not even scratched the surface on this kid yet. I, I, like, I'm so excited to see the potential of what he can do over the next couple of years. And obviously, we're not the only ones to have recognized how awesome he is. Because, I mean, he is truly head and shoulders above all the other rookies on this team. And it's not a slight by any stretch of the imagination. There's no, some no, good young there's some good young talent on this team or first year talent on this team. But what Tyson has done this year for the Alouettes, truly amazing. Like I, I remember when he was drafted, like I'm sitting like, really? We're drafting another, another national receiver in line. Like, wow. Okay. So, I mean, to me that showed like, okay, the dedication right there of making national receiver a part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's pretty impressive all by itself. But to see what this kid can do, knowing that, okay, he's won a Vanier Cup, he has championship experience, and now you're bringing that here to Montreal? Oh, boy. And the playmaking ability of this young man is second to none. I I mean, I'm so excited to see what he's going to be able to do in an actual playoff game for the Alouettes. I I think Montreal really has to do whatever they can to get this kid open. Trevor Harris has to find a way to get get this guy the ball more often, get more touches on this guy. As far as I'm concerned, like this is the rookie of the year. I'll even go so far as to say I would not be surprised in great at the Great Cup in Regina, that he is at the CFL Awards as the Eastern nominee for most outstanding rookie this year. Oh, it's going to be tough too. Considering, yeah, for him to win it would be nice. But man, I'm looking at the the the, the rookies here. It's, most likely, who he's going to go up against? It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But I, I agree with you. I think he will be the Eastern nominee. And he also has one thing up on his on his twin brother that uh, that that he can never that can never be taken away. His he got the nod, he got the nod for rookie of the year on his team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we, we talked about that last week with him that that friendly competition so much with his brother Jalen, and you know like. 
they're obviously pushing each other to be great. They're both, you know, trying to, I won't say necessarily one up each other necessarily, but you, you take a look at the stat sheet, like, oh, Jalen did this. Oh, Tyson did that. And oh, he got a touchdown. Oh, he made a great return. And yeah, it's just that, that, you know, they say iron sharpens iron. And that, that truly is the case with the fill pots. And yeah, it just makes for exciting football. And as I said, I'm so happy to see what Tyson's been able to do this year. And just knowing that we, we've got this guy for the next little bit. It's so exciting. And I, I'm just so excited to see what he can do as a part of this offense. And my God, just, just knowing that we barely scratched the surface at where, you know, the best is yet to come. And he's already done this much so far. Whew. Exciting times, folks. Exciting times. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the interview with, we did with Tyson last week, by all means, go check it out because, yeah, this kid is going places, as you can see. And, you know, straight to the top, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Um, one quick question I want to ask you before we talk about go to the preview for the uh, for this week versus Toronto. Uh, thoughts on Nathan Rourke being nominated as the, their player of the year and their Canadian of the year, considering he has been he, – he played basically what is, amounts to half a season. Essentially, yeah. Well, that just speaks to the season that he had, <laughs> as short as it was. And I'll be honest, I didn't think we were going to see him again at all in 2022. I mean, a Liz Frank injury is nothing to sneeze at. But no. I mean, this guy must be Wolverine the way he was able to recover. Like, this, this is incredible. Just to hear that he's going to be playing probably just one quarter's worth of the last game of the, the regular season. But, my God, I mean, the fact that he's able to come back from an injury like this is just going to increase the legend and it's going to make things very, very interesting because let's not forget they've got Vernon Adams there now. And now he's basically been, you know, you know, like <clears throat> he, he, Vernon's been the, one of the main, many reasons why the, the Lions were able to stay competitive. You know, like they didn't just fold over and fold of, you know, fold away and die because uh, Nathan Rourke got hurt. Yeah. Like VA came in and he, he helped get this team, keep this team going, like basically kept things moving for the Lions. But now with Nathan Rourke back, like that changes the conversation again for this team. And to see what he's done has just been tremendous. And God forbid if the Lions make it to and even win the Grey Cup. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, at this point, forget it. He's going stateside. He's he's going to the NFL. Someone's going to find a job for this guy. But wow. Yeah. I mean, it's it just speaks to how incredible he's played this year. I mean, with only nine games to be able to put up the stats that he did and the, you could tell the impact that the the Lions had in the West this year. I mean, being able to compete with like the the Winnipeg's and the Calgarys mm-hmm. and stay neck and neck with those teams. Yep, and is no is no small feat. And shattering uh, Canadian Canadian uh, CFL records. Yeah, I mean, I mean, my God, I mean, he, this guy. You talk about generational talents. Nathan Rourke, without <clears throat> question, is a generational talent, and definitely great to see him recognized as such this year. And yeah, I. A, a, a lot of cases can be made for him being most out, outstanding player. I mean, despite Zach Caleros, despite uh, Eugene Lewis, even who truly could emerge as the Western nominee or the Eastern nominee, sorry, uh, for most outstanding player. Uh, I mean, but compared to what Nathan Rourke has done, I mean, my gosh, yeah, it's I know it, it's wild just to see what what he's accomplished and knowing that no, his season's not over. It's it's still going. It's it's incredible. It's yeah, absolutely no, incredible. No kidding. So as we, uh, everybody knows now, this this weekend's slate and CFL action is basically, uh, you know, let's get some some reps for some of these other guys, um, rest some people. Uh, you know, Alouettes, we will be playing at the Argos. 
on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Argos are getting the uh, the the home bump. According to five dimes, they're favored by three and a half points. Cliff uh, over under is at forty eight and a half. But that really, you know, the, the game itself is is you know it is what it is. But that really isn't the story because you know the Owls are going to be resting to Trevor Harris. And it's going to be giving the Alouettes uh, two two players that have not gotten a start all year. They're going to get, give them a little bit uh, give them a little bit more time under center. Uh, God, the most time really for one of them since uh, since training camp. Mm-hmm. No, it's uh, they haven't announced the starter yet, but uh, the Danny Machocha did say that both Dominique Davis and Davis Alexander will be seeing time at quarterback this coming Saturday, and I'm excited because. You and I have seen what Davis Alexander did in training camp. There's a lot of potential there. There's a lot to like. And I'm really excited to see him in an actual game situation. Even if the game technically means nothing in the standings, it, it, as we said, it's essentially a preseason game. Uh, last time he played a preseason game, he did pretty damn good, I got to say. So mm-hmm. with some extra reps and also with no pressure at all, really, when you think about it, because, okay, fine. If the Alouettes win, they go 9-9 nine and nine for the year. They're not... They don't have a losing season technically, and if they lose, they're eight and ten. But still, there's they they've solidified second place. They will be hosting the Eastern semifinal. I mean, this game truly is a chance for a lot of the players that we haven't normally seen before to get some honest to goodness reps and see what ha- let's see what kind of depth this team really truly has. And I'm excited personally to see what uh, Dominique uh, for what Davis Alexander can do. I, I think this is the the moment he's been very patiently waiting for. Uh, because, again, uh, the, it, the only way he was going to see the field this year was if Trevor Harris got hurt or if, God forbid, the Alouettes were able to, you know, sew up the division sooner. But this is what's, you know, this, this is the hand that's dealt now. Uh, this is his opportunity to shine. And I couldn't be more excited for him. I, I, I'm really excited to see what he can do, see how he plays with the, not necessarily all the ones, because I'm pretty sure a lot of the players are going to get the, the the rest, the the veteran rest. So... I just want to see some plays. I want to see something interesting happen. So I, I really hope AC decides to open up the playbook just a little bit, just to see, you know what, let's throw it against the wall, see what sticks kind of thing. Like, I, I would love to see that. And, you know, win or lose, I just want to see something. that I want to be somewhat entertained because, let's face it, this this entire weekend now, unfortunately, it really is kind of a, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll watch. But, you know, you're just not excited. But knowing that Davis Alexander will be getting some time at quarterback, I'm definitely excited about that. For sure. And also for uh, Dominic Davis, too. Uh, people remember, too, that he is currently tied for the Alouettes record for um, the four rushing touchdowns by a quarterback in a season. Um, I don't think he's going to catch Caleb Evans, who currently holds the, the CFL record, but mm-hmm. it's very possible that he could set a new team record. Um, depends on, you know, it just, needs, it, it, it just needs one. It just needs one, and uh, let's 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 hope they don't get to that point where it's a third and short. So you know, because it's just been very that that's one of the things. You know, what? I, I hope they do get to that point because it, that's one of the things that really needs to be improved, uh, especially this week and going into the playoffs. Because you know, it, it just happened too much over the last couple of weeks where a, a third and short has done absolutely nothing for the Alouettes. So it's that's one thing that they that they need to shore up too. But. Uh, Again, it's it's going to be it's not the same type of of, of atmosphere um, as I mentioned before. I'm glad that it is not a game in Montreal because I'm you know I was happy to get the game that we got last week even though we lost. 
but still, we're we're one game. You know, even with this, we're one game closer to uh, to the playoffs. But uh, don't look ahead. But it should be a. I, I I'm gonna. I'll be watching this game no matter what. I'll still be cheering. I'll still be screaming, ranting, and raving for anything that I hate. Um, but you know, I just want to see these guys do well. And uh, hey, let's 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 get a little bit more. Uh, let's see what the reps that that can help. Uh, can help. Uh, Davis Alexander for sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's. Uh... Again, I, I don't expect Gino to play. So, I mean, uh, if that means uh, Tyson Philpot gets a little bit more time, gets a little more a chance to get more into the offense a little bit, Herjim uh, Ayala as well, if uh, he can get, uh, you know, get these young Canadian receivers going. I mean, to me, that that's going to be key as well. And you know that Davis has worked extensively with the younger, younger players as well because that's just what happens. Obviously, the ones play with the ones, and the twos and threes will play, you know, with the – Usually the rookies or the, I don't want to necessarily say for the forgotten players, but the players that are not exactly the superstars, shall we say. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm curious to see what kind of chemistry is happening there. And really, truly, like that's how you got to look at this game. It's like just go in, stay healthy. Uh, it's obviously got to be played. I mean, it was scheduled, so I mean, you got to go, got to go, go through the motions, but just don't do anything too crazy as far as, you know, don't, don't get yourself hurt, you know, knowing full well that you're going to be back in Montreal for the Eastern semifinal. I just want to see, I, I just want to see this team open things up just a little bit and just, you know, have some fun with it. Why not? I mean, at this point it's like playing of house money as far as I'm concerned. Would it be cool to be able to say that you finished the year nine and nine and not have a losing season? Yes, it would. Is it necessary not really. I, again, eight and, te- eight and ten teams have won the Grey Cup before, and if Montreal is the next team to do it, then so be it. I mean, nine and nine is nice. Eight and ten, okay. Well, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it, like the, the Eastern Division this year was just quite the adventure, let me tell you. But uh, it ended better you know, than we expected. Yeah. Also, too, uh, Toronto's going to be resting a, a number of their starters as well. Uh, Chad Kelly, who uh, got a, a his. Uh, f- Got a got a touchdown uh, in Montreal last week. Uh, he's apparently going to be getting the start, so I'm sure he's jacked about that because this is someone that throughout the offseason was just so excited to be a member of the Argos and to be a you know a member of the of this team and get whatever opportunities he can. Like he's been mostly used in short yard situations, but uh, you know I, th- I think Toronto too is going to be curious to see. Okay, well, God forbid something happens to MBT, can this kid step in and in his place, and is he potentially even the future for the Argos? So. This is this is his chance to prove that hey, I belong in the conversation. So, I, I'm, I imagine they too, like Argos fans too, have to be wondering what they have in this kid as well. So, I think it'll be an interesting match for both teams in that sense. It may not be the prettiest football, but it's football. That's got to count for something. Exactly. Um, it may be the end of the regular season, but still, uh, still have some games to watch. Even though they, as I said, they're they're, they're glorified preseason games, but still, it's it's still football to enjoy. So enjoy. Ever hope everybody enjoys the last week of the regular season of the 2022 season, and uh, and then starting next week, dude, we're hoping to you know have three uh, three weeks of one and zero. That's all that we want, but uh, we got to get there. Absolutely, and it's. Unquestionably, the most exciting time of the year. Uh, November is playoff month. It is Grey Cup month. It is the most important time of the year if, if you're a CFL fan. And again, folks, Montreal is in it. They are hosting Eastern semifinals. So if you haven't gotten your playoff tickets already, go ahead and do so. I would love to see this stadium sold out again. And let's not forget the last time Trevor Harris played in Montreal for an Eastern semifinal, he had a heck of a game. So here's hoping that Lightning can strike twice. 
And this time it'll be a good thing that Trevor Harris has an outstanding game in the Eastern semifinal at Percival Wilson Stadium. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. Uh, we will be back next week. Again, if you have any uh, comments, questions, concerns, just, just uh, you know, either reach out to us on social media or email us. But we're uh, heading into the playoffs, dude. We're heading into the playoffs, and we're going to have some fun. So, Yeah, uh, but first got to take care of one last little bit of business. Go, go to BMO Field. As I said, just go there, do your thing, stay healthy. And after that, playoff time, baby. Exactly. Uh, so enjoy the enjoy the games this week. Cliff, I'll talk to you soon, and uh, we'll talk to you also next week, fellow fans. So for everybody here at the Alouettes Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.